Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, I'm Matt Kelly. And I'm Matt Dancona. And this is the Two Mats podcast for the week ending Friday the 12th of January. Matt, what did we talk about this week? We talked a lot about corporate greed in the context of um, both the appalling post office scandal and uh, and then we went on and talked a bit about Davos. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that we we thought we thought strongly both of us was that this is the post office story is only half yeah half finished and that, that there needs to be there need to be prosecutions. You know, people need to go to yeah. jail. Well, that gives us a clear title for the podcast anyway. Prosecute yeah. the post office, doesn't it? Yeah, prosecute the post office. Love it. All right. So welcome to the Two Mats podcast for the week ending the 12th of January. Uh, prosecute the post office. Enjoy. So, Matt, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, I guess only one show in town, really, which mm. is um, the post office scandal, um, which has been around for a long time. But uh, yesterday at the PMQs, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, Rishi Sunak uh, made a brief statement about what the government now proposes to do about it. And I wonder if producer Emma could give us a, a quick blast of the Prime Minister on that. Mr Speaker, this is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. People who worked hard to serve their communities had their lives and their reputations destroyed through absolutely no fault of their own. The victims must get justice and compensation. So when Williams Inquiry is undertaking crucial work to, under, to expose what went wrong, and we've paid almost £150 million in compensation to over 2,500 victims. Uh, but today I can announce that we will introduce new primary legislation to make sure that those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal are swiftly exonerated and compensated. We will also introduce a new upfront payment of £75,000 for the vital GLO group of postmasters. And can I thank my honourable friend, the member for Thurscombe Moulton, for all his hard work on this issue. He will set out more details to the House shortly. We will make sure that the truth comes to light, we right the wrongs of the past, and the victims get the justice they deserve. So one of the greatest miscarriages in British legal yeah. history, Sunak said. Which it's, yeah. it certainly is. And, um, and so the government is taking this extraordinary step of uh, primary legislation to exonerate the sub-paymasters who were uh, wrongly convicted or charged or accused in this case. Um, it's worth mentioning that only 93 of the 900 convictions have been quashed. Uh, so they're going to be... Um, uh, exonerated in this bill 
and there's going to be a further upfront 75 grand for the 555 um, who were involved in the 2019 class action. And we should say that this is all really in response to a television program, which uh, yeah. n within nine days of the first broadcast on ITV of this uh, program drama, excellent drama, four-part drama, Mr. Bates versus the post office. So it was primary legislation and the announcement that there was going to be uh, an independent panel on the compensations uh, involving the retired High Court judge, Sir Gary Higginbottom, and, and an astonishing urgency of action. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and in fact, the inquiry under Sir Wynne Williams is carrying on today on Thursday. Uh, so I don't know what your initial reaction to this is, Matt, but I think it's it's kind of, for me, it's, I'm trying to take as, as we try and do on the podcast, is to take as big a step back as I can to start with. And my first reflection is, I'm afraid that this is further evidence that we're not in good shape, because whilst I'm really, really glad that this is happening, because I think these people have waited too long for justice, um, and it's right that that urgent action is being taken obviously this is not what parliament is for parliament is not for uh, overturning uh, court decisions any more than it's for uh, saying that rwanda is a safe place that's not the role of parliament and it's 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 a uh, it's poor that it's taken an itv drama starring toby jones and an act of parliament to deliver what I think most people would say is basic justice to people who are horribly wronged. Yeah, I, well, I agree with, with all of that. The, the, the thing I would say which strikes me as remarkable is that how much of a story of, its, of these particular times this is. And Absolutely. that you wouldn't, you wouldn't get this reaction if we weren't dealing with um, politics being in an absolute state of chaos. Um, and it's a symptom of, of a chaotic, uh, rudderless parliament grasping and, and, and looking for a solution to something that's become a public storm. And I, co I couldn't help think back to the Hillsborough um, disaster yes. and the way that that played out. Um, I mean, obviously, it's totally different because there was, you know, you weren't talking about people being prosecuted um, or members of the, you know, innocent people being prosecuted, but certainly lots of people being maligned for decades. And also the similarity of there being a very compelling docudrama um, about Hillsborough, which captured yeah. attention and gave the cause momentum. But again, there was nothing like the urgency. Even then, there was nothing like the urgency we've seen now. No. And, and it, it, it unsettles me a little bit that, that you know, one of the principles of um, our society is that there is a distinction between the judiciary and the legislation. And this, this, this has now collided and the legislation through political panic, I think, has, uh, has overridden our judicial norms. And even though, even though I think it's led to a proper result, I find it deeply, deeply troubling that we've arrived at this point. I couldn't agree more. I, I am, as you know, a rule of the rule of law stick in the mud. You know, old school on that. And so I, I'm squeamish about the, the the means that have been used, though I'm delighted by the result. Yeah. I think throughout all this, there's it's been interesting um, listening to ministers. Uh, try desperately to 
defend due process saying wait for the results of Sir Wynne Williams statutory inquiry into all this and what's interesting about some of the feedback not least from the aggrieved uh, sub postmasters um, is that they don't trust due process anymore and a lot of them one of the reasons that I think the government ended up with this solution was that so many sub postmasters uh, were no longer willing to come forward because they just don't trust the normal procedures and that's a very worrying thing and I think again to take it one concentric circle further out there was a very interesting interview on Newsnight with Gwyneth Hughes the writer of the series the ITV series and she she put a finger on it to me which is she said everyone feels unheard and I think that is the heart of the matter is that you know let's look at what this is all about it's about sub postmasters who are often what clergymen used to be to communities they're they're quiet law-abiding citizens they're not as amplified as organized labor or uh, those in you know notable protected categories they're they're what would be called in the u.s the forgotten middle and they're disaggregated they you know they 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 you know they exist in isolation and one of the saddest aspects of the whole story was the way that when they were phoning up uh, to find out why it was that this Horizon uh, software that was being used as a as basically an electronic uh, cash till didn't work, uh, they were told you're the only one this is affected. So there was this kind of constant attempt to isolate these people, and I think that uh, that sense has played into the whole kind of narrative that we've discussed in on the podcast, Matt, about you know for want of a better phrase broken britain you know waiting lists the rock concrete scandal windrush the new europeans uh battle with uh michelle moan and the pandemic scandals and this sense that how run down and decrepit and jerry-rigged and dilapidated post-brexit nation the po our post-brexit nation has become yeah and it's incredibly depressing that the the week began before this really sort of took flight with Rishi Sunak in his uh, beginning of the year uh, interview on Laura Koonsberg on the BBC calling for tax cuts. Yeah. And, you know, this is clear evidence, this, that we have a very badly underfunded court system uh, that we're contracting out on the cheap. And so you hear Sunak saying we, what we need is tax cuts and launching an attack on what he calls the permanent state, which is his version of the deep state. And and actually, you know, this is this is not the problem. The problem is that that government is in its desperation to outsource and its veneration for private sector collaborations it has has presided over and includes all parties over a an absolutely monstrous miscarriage of justice involving people you know four of whom uh took their own lives um i think more than 230 went to jail yeah you know these these are lives that have been ruined horrific uh, they don't horrific. have time on their side these people horrific and one of the aspects that's intrigued me is the corporate culture within post office that allowed this to go on for well for literally for two decades you know this software was installed in 1999 and almost immediately there were a procession of complaints about irregularities and stuff like this and then yeah. i think alan bates uh uh threw in the towel in 2003 so we're, t we're literally talking 20 years ago that 
this. Yes. The, you know, and the fact that we can talk about Paul Levenels later, but, you know, Adam Crozier was chief executive of the post office yes. for a long time. His name has been largely absent from from uh, damnation. Maybe that'll change. But the, there's clearly, I was trying to get my head inside what was going on around the boardroom and in the senior executive management meetings at the post office when these complaints came in. And I find, I, I've got a theory, and I might be wrong, but my theory is this, because I've seen it happen, where you have communities of people, constituencies of people who are at a distance and are seen by management of big corporations as somehow menial and lesser, right? And I'll bet you that the management, the senior management of the post office looked at sub-postmasters with a degree of disdain and were saying, firstly, well, the idiots can't make it work or they've just made it. Or, and I'll bet you this was said openly, well, they've all got their fingers in the till anyway. You know, I'll bet you that was the kind of mindset of senior management around the board tables of the post office. And that will have gone on for 20 years where they have... um, They've incriminated a group of people with with no real evidence. Of course, every organisation's got people who uh, act badly. I bet you, though, they're proportionately a more honest, decent bunch than many professions, because just because the kind of demographic from which they're drawn, you know? Yeah, I'd back that completely. But I'll I'll bet you that there was an arrogance and a disdain at the top of the post office when they were talking about sub-postmasters as a group of people. And that this has led to the kind of... um, uh, attitude towards people that is dehumanizing you know they've dehumanized them and this is where yeah what's blown up this week is the humanity of it so you've, yes, you've had absolutely. a corporation that dehumanized a group of people and said well they've all got their fingers in the till they're all idiots they're all on the on they're all chancing and so every time it came up the assumption was oh they're bent you know let's let, it's not the software they're bent uh and and what's happened this week is the human stories have come to the fore, which are inarguable. And honestly, anybody who's listened to some of these tales, I mean, there have been people crying on the Today program as they've told how their yes. lives have been ruined. And, and it would take a bloody heart of stone not to cry along with them. It's absolutely appalling. It's heartbreaking. Well, so just, Matt, just to close that point was there were a lot of headlines this morning uh, on, the, on the national newspapers saying justice at last and all of this business. Yes. Well, halfway, ha- ha- I half agree. Uh, justice will be when the people who allowed this to carry on don't just hand back CBEs and get pulled up before public inquiry. Oh, yeah. But are prosecuted for absolute criminal behaviour. This is absolutely essential. Look, the other shoe has yet to drop, okay? So what we're looking at now is the compensation or, as the uh, supposed masters prefer, financial redress uh, for what they rightly regard as the embezzlement by the post office to the tune of many millions of their money. Um, I think you also saw a a really ugly convergence going on here. So the post office was established in 1660. It's one of the great historic institutions of this country, and it attracts uh, or used to attract huge loyalty, a sense that the universal service was part of what bound us together as a country and so on. And sub postmasters were, as I said earlier, you know, they were figures of 
um, of some standing in their local communities in a quiet way. So you have that. But on the other hand, you also have the ethos and culture of the private sector coming into it. So on the one hand, the post office historically had this power, anomalous power of private prosecution, that it could be both the prosecutor and the aggrieved party, which is dubious and Alex Chalk the Justice uh, the Sh uh, Justice Secretary and Shadow Chancellor is now looking into private prosecutions and not before time um, but also there was this power of uh, there the, were the investigators who had these um, legal powers being offered bonuses to reach a certain number of, of um, convictions or charges which mm. is a grotesque way of going about natural justice you know you had post office investigators going around with quotas and personal incentives to nail as many of these often lonely by no means legally literate people to the wall and they got what they wanted mm. so there's a combination of massive institutional uh, um, sort of prestige in the post office but the most ruthless form of competitive private sector culture converging and yeah. that that was a that was a disgraceful uh thing to happen and i think one of the things we can probably i remember when pmqs was going on yesterday matt and uh, on wednesday and we were whatsapping each other and it was we both noticed that keir starmer mm. uh didn't go on the post office he went on small boats and um migration and this is noticeable because if ever there was a murder on the orient express yeah. politically this is it i mean it was fascinating because 30p lee our great one of our podcast heroes yeah. uh stood up and tried to goad sunak into calling for ed davies resignation as lib dem leader on the grounds that ed davy had been postal affairs minister between 2010 and 2012 and it's fair to say that Ed Davey um, seems to have been at best incurious about the scandal. Yeah. But it was also notable that Starmer, Sunak didn't take the bait on calling for David to stand down. And Starmer didn't uh, press Sunak at all. And, and I think the reason for this is that everyone has a measure of uh, culpability in this. You know, this was ordered by John Major's government. It was implemented by Tony Blair's government. When and e even though in 1998 Harriet Harman, who was then the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, wrote to Blair and told him there was a serious risk that the project would not deliver its objectives, then you go to Post Office Minister under Gordon Brown, Pat McFadden, Keir Starmer's election chief, and then any number of Conservatives responsible to the present day. So everyone has their dabs on this. Yeah, totally. and it's you know that the, there have been some very I don't know what you think, but there have been some very lame attempts overnight. Uh, again, we're recording this on Thursday to nail Keir Starmer when he was director of prosecutions uh, at the CPS, public prosecutions, and say, actually, you know, he he knew all about this. Uh, it's quite clear that he didn't. Um, and the number of prosecutions that were actually coming across his desk uh, appeared to have been zero or very few. Mm. So, you know, th th this is not... Um, unusually, it's not a party political issue. Um, I would say, however, <laughs> there's always a however, isn't there? Um, 
when you look at Fujitsu, the company that uh, is responsible for Horizon, the system under question, the software system under question, it has a market cap of more than $27 billion. And the government of this country, in spite of everything that's been revealed about the system since 2009, when Computer Weekly really got into it, remains Fujitsu's biggest US count customer accounting for about 190 of the contracts and unbelievably and i still can't get my head around this in november last year fujitsu was handed a 36 million quid extension to keep horizon running until at least 2025 and the ft did a great report this week saying that fujitsu was involved in 3.6 billion pounds of contracts while Sunak was Chancellor of PM, uh, or PM. I repeat that, £3.6 billion of contracts. Now, how can that be right? You know, the, 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 the speed of accountability, for uh, the speed of, um, of, of, of action, of prosecution against the sub-postmasters was, 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 you know, didn't hang around. But Fujitsu is multinational, is still benefiting from huge contracts well it's fujitsu Matt. it's fujitsu who will have to who, who also run the criminal records database and who will be taking yes the sub postmaster's name off the criminal records database Abs for the mistake that they made putting them on the criminal records database so the amount of reliance on this company is just beyond belief i'm afraid i've gone a bit um medieval as they say in pulp fiction <laughs> on, on all this now <laughs> Uh, I really, I mean, I, I think it's incredibly important because we've, we've talked a bit about building trust in, in the system again. And I think that somehow some of the key culprits in the system have to go to jail. And I mean jail. I don't, I mean, we've talked about uh, Paula Bernells, who was the uh, CEO of the post office between 2012 and 2019. She handed back her CBE uh, this week so what right that's a tiny that's a wrinkle in the story what about the 2.2 million quid she took in bonuses right so let's claw back some of the bonuses from some of the people who took money whilst this was going on uh, at the but also you know the the it, it it's time for imaginative prosecutions of people because you cannot have faceless corporations like fujitsu taking huge sums of taxpayers money leading to the ruination of hundreds of people's lives quite wrongly and then not being a accountable or paying fines i mean it's it's all well and good and i'm glad ministers are now talking about how fujitsu should be should cough up for the compensation but we all know that big corporations like fujitsu have very very extensive insurance plans that enable them to pay out what are for them you know lunch money sums right i want to see people behind bars and i really do think this is important and i'm not i know that sounds old testament but actually one of the problems we got to where we are now where trust is in the gutter yeah. is 2009 2008 2009 there was the financial crisis which led to huge numbers of job losses huge numbers of home losses disaster for people with their savings their pensions and practically no 
bankers went to jail. It, it, it is time for these people to do the perp walk and go behind bars. Couldn't it agree really more. is. Couldn't agree more. And I'll take it, well, maybe it's a step further, maybe it isn't. But let me outline a, a, a process in which, say you could say, as you, you know, obviously the most acute part of this story, those four poor people who killed themselves because their lives had been ruined by these erroneous prosecutions. Well, if you could draw a direct link between somebody in a boardroom saying, I don't care, our reputation's more important than these sub-postmasters, hang them out to dry, carry on with the prosecutions. And I think you've got a case there where you should be prosecuting for manslaughter. Yes, I agree. You've, I really you've do. driven someone to the grave through your negligence and greed, then there has to be an ultimate penalty. And by the way, the idea that suggesting these people should go to jail is some sort of Old Testament solution. Well, they didn't hesitate when they were sending sub-postmasters to jail. You know, no, quite this, right. And, and, and in, in fact, there was the poor woman uh, who featured highly... It, it's Joe, isn't it, who featured in the drama... Who, Joe Hamilton. Joe, Joe Hamilton. Hamilton, who later uncovered that there was a document from the post office saying that there was no, no evidence of theft at all. No evidence of theft at all. It was just an inexplicable shortfall, except for the fact that the computers didn't work. And they sent her to jail, you know? And they knew as far back as 1998-9 that the system was not working properly. Yeah. And they lied. And this is, this is I think, is the most, uh, perhaps the most wicked. And I, I use that word advisedly, wicked, aspect of, of the way they were, the, the sub-postmasters were handled. That... They said, oh, no, 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 no one has access to your Horizon system. That was a lie. That yeah. was a straightforward, let's call it what it was. It was a lie. And they, uh, you know, post office lied to Parliament, lied in the courts, lied everywhere. We now know that they had all sorts of uh, means of access to the uh, the Horizon systems of, of, of branches. And that, to me, is... A shocking act of fraud, of uh, 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 and of embezzlement, because these people had to sell their houses, cash in their pensions, give up their life savings, go to jail. You know, some of them suffered from appalling mental health problems, and some of them died, and some of them have died of natural causes because, of course, what corporations have on their side, apart from huge resources is time they know how to lawyer up and kick the can down the road and we're talking about people who you know have waited it was 25 years already since this really became an issue and you know people are still waiting for justice and 25 years in a lifetime is 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 an enormous thing i'd love to know the people who were complicit in in this co- in this scandal in this cover-up where are they all now you know because they're not all still at yes. the post office they'll be sitting in big jobs somewhere or big consultancy fees somewhere and on their cv well maybe they're ripping it off linkedin right now as we speak but somewhere on their cv will be the important <laughs> the important role they played in installing horizon yeah. at the post office absolutely you know, punish them hundred percent. And I think that, um, I mean, there are two points that spring to mind. One is that Wynne Williams' uh, report on this may actually drop into a new government's intray because uh, it's promised by the end of the year. 
And by then we might have a Labour government. So this could be a challenge facing Prime Minister Keir Starmer. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, one hopes the inquiry delivers before then. But the other thing I think, and it's again, it's a sort of broader point, is since uh, the Thatcher era and then through New Labour and to the present day, there's been a sort of um, reverence for the private sector. Now, I've got nothing against the private sector per se, but there's been this idea that somehow business does government better than government. So it's completely legitimate to slag off Whitehall, to slag off town halls, to slag off public servants. But if you talk about big business, there's a kind of hush and a kind of, you know, reverence about it. And we saw this to the max in the pandemic, where let's take Test and Trace, okay, which was you had Sir Paul Nurse of the Francis Crick Institute saying, look, we have capacity in labs and uh, universities where, which are deserted at the moment to really get up and running on test and trace. And he called it, ironically, given what happened with small boats, he called it the Little Boats Initiative, um, a, re a reference to the Dunkirk rescue. And instead, Matt Hancock went with Deloitte and Serco. Now, I, I, maybe I'm stupid, but I'm not aware of Deloitte and Serco having a particularly distinguished record in um, healthcare and uh, you know management of complex you know health uh, issues but so m sort of mesmerized our ministers by the idea that business is always good yeah you know and we've seen this before we saw this the scandal of disability assessments carried out by atos the capita scandal in 2015 G4S unable to provide security in Olymp the Olympics in 2012. Carillion, do you remember them? Construction and other services went into liquidation in 2018. Time and time and time well, again. We've seen it. We've seen it most most recently with Michelle Moan, Doug Barrowman, and PPE Medpro. You know where exactly a simple question: Have you ever have you ever sourced um, PPE before in your lives? The answer: No. Might have just you know halted that in its tracks did it nah and there's a sort of um very lazy idiom attached to this that you know people who are involved in business are all about enterprise and competition and action and urgency and these are the things that are lacking from our terrible um you know establishment state and there are you know there are moments where contracting out can be helpful but the idea that the the default position should be whenever there's a task facing government it should be contracted out is unbelievably dodgy and we we know we've known this for 30 years that the procurement processes in this country are dodgy they are linked far too heavily into cheapness you know which is called value for money but it, it's doing it on the cheap yeah and this is what you get and what you get is Fujitsu not ready, not ready to do, well, it was called ICL, I think, at the beginning, and then uh, took on the name of Fujitsu in 2020, uh, in 2002. Um, by no means ready. This was absolutely bound to happen. Yeah. And yet, so, but here's the thing, is so important is it to preserve the myth that big business, that corporate groups are unimpeachable that successive ministers were willing to take a, 
uh, a sort of uh, uh, what they call an arm's length approach right we will leave it to the 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 post office and to uh the royal mail as it as it was and uh you know ed davey said oh i was lied to by the post office well you know the job of a minister especially when you're dealing with contracted out services is to dig you know is it is the taxpayer getting value for money not let them do what they want i mean this is a cultural thing just before we close down on this topic and go to the second half i want to give a big shout out to ian hislop and private eye um Mm -hmm. and also the guys at computer weekly who who whose journalism yes exposed this story which was then told brilliantly in the ITV drama. Uh, but I also want to give a negative shout out to most of Fleet Street who've been busy on the bandwagon ever since saying, oh, we've done 300 stories about this. Fleet Street barely put this on page one ever. And when you think about the fact, the elements of this story, that how it's not a page one scandal story from, from day one, I've got no idea. But his lop and Private Eye kept battering away. So absolute kudos to to those guys and Liz Gerard in the uh, New European this week has got a brilliant very good piece brilliant forensic essay very good piece about the negligence of Fleet Street um, in covering this story so don't listeners have your wool pulled over the eye but over your eyes by all these Fleet Street hacks coming out saying oh we've been banging the drum forever they haven't another name I'd like to give a shout out to is Nick Wallace uh, whose brilliant book the great post office scandal in 2021 and if you haven't read it listeners do order a copy it's just excellent journalism you know he is the absolute nick wallace is the absolute epitome of the dogged resilient uh persistent investigative journalist and what's interesting is that pretty much everything uh that's in the drama uh, is in Nick's book, and indeed, a, a lot, most of the key facts were known, but at the latest by 2019, when the main court case yeah. uh, came out, and uh, on the Alan Bates case. Um, but, but I think that what's incredibly concerning is, obviously, I'm delighted that an ITV drama of huge quality has led to uh, a good outcome. But it, it's alarming, isn't it? that we trust toby jones the the voice of dobby and harry potter yeah. the star of the detectorists a familiar you know warm face from countless movies and dramas more than we do politicians uh you know and and it, it's not a sustainable model you know because no. two historic accidents happened here first of all you had alan bates incredible man incredible you know preternatural stamina just to go year after year after year and he's still you know i noticed that he was asked are you celebrating and the the times this morning thursday and he said you must be joking um you know he's going to carry on till the last day but there are very few people come along like that i mean one uh, sort of slight parallel is Chris Mullen, uh, a former Labour MP and minister who campaigned for the Birmingham Six over many, many years and against great, uh, um, you know, resistance. But so you get historical accident number one, Alan Bates. If Alan Bates hadn't come along, I wonder if any of this would have happened. Yeah. Historical accident number two is that at New Year, you get Toby Jones, the ideal actor 
to play this and suddenly it hits a nerve okay great you know what's not to like but you can't base an accountable system upon that sort of historical contingency you know the system is meant to preclude the necessity yeah. for such individuals you know that's the point of the system there is something beautiful about a piece of art which that that series is transcending everything else in the system though and overturning everything yes. because because what to, again to touch more. to touch on what we were saying earlier what toby jones managed to articulate which no judge can no politician can and newspapers are getting worse and worse at used to be very good at it not so much anymore is the humanity of it and all you had to do was yeah. look in toby jones's face for four hours and you saw a whole universe of pain that these people had suffered for yes. decades it was all there I mean, the trouble is, as uh, and this is not an original point, uh, it's been made by several people this week, is that, you, you know, we can't rely on Toby Jones to do a documentary on Grenfell yeah, right, and the right. contamination scandal and Brexit. Yeah. And, um, you know, th th this is, it, it's a fantastic happening. And by the way, uh, a side issue, you know, it demonstrates that um, those who would... Uh, tear down the cultural sector in this country yeah. and uh, think that the only thing that matters is STEM subjects. And they do matter, right? They do matter. But, you know, Rishi Sunak going on about everyone having to do maths till they're 26, um, fine, okay. Yeah. But sometimes creative, yeah. the creative sector can have a huge palpable consequential impact upon political life and it has more i think probably i don't know what you think matt but anything since kathy come home in 1966 maybe yeah yeah no i think so i think probably maybe the boys from the black stuff in 82 yeah. well i think boys from the black stuff was uh boys from the black stuff from my era was the thing that that hit people like a a, a stomach punch you know? I mean, it, it really was incredibly powerful stuff and i think jimmy mcgovern has taken that up um admirably in the past and now we've got this so i think there's certainly plenty of precedent but you're right i wouldn't want to be a victim of some injustice and have to wait around for itv to decide to commission a drama before no, my name was no, clear because because the other thing is that you know i mean actually um you know anyone who's been involved in the commissioning process and i have um obliquely uh knows how arbitrary it can be yeah, i mean this yeah. is the kind of project that had it not had someone of toby jones's stature attached to it might well just have um yeah. you know been a thanks but no thanks and we well, wouldn't thank be here god for toby jones well thank god for toby jones that's been um a long but i hope um interesting um first half to the podcast and we're going to come back later uh, in a few minutes after a short break with some thoughts about the faceless masters of the universe aren't we <laughs> yes we are <laughs> see you in a moment thank you for listening to the two mats and if you like the kind of conversations we have here there are loads more to be had in print and online at the new european uh, and I have got a very special offer for all listeners of The Two Mats. We are giving away copies of Alistair Campbell's Diaries 2023, which is a book we're publishing this month. Uh, it's fantastic 
diary full of everything that's happened, all the people he's met, and anybody who's uh, a fan of Alistair Campbell's diaries over the years know how brilliantly he turns them out. He is very much a latter-day Samuel Pepys. He really is. He is. So you can get a free copy of Alistair Campbell's diaries, 2023, worth £20, when you subscribe to the New European from as little as £1 a week. Or if you like getting the newspaper delivered to your door every single week, you can have that for just another pound a week. And that's a 75% saving on the price you'll pay at the newsagents. To get this great offer, go to www.theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So, Matt, um, Davos... That name, that sounds like a Dr. Davos. Yeah, it sounds like... It does, yes, um, yes. The, uh, the creatures from the planet Davos. Tell, tell me, you, you, you're writing about them this week in the New European? Yes. Yes, the present issue of the New European has yes, a column indeed. by me on this uh, important subject. <laughs> I should know that. So Davos, no, well, uh, you know, there's, you've got a lot on. You've got a lot on. Um, look. Davos has always been a bugbear of mine, and it became uh, enormously so after the populist uprisings of 2016. Uh, just to, for those who don't know, and 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 I, I hope lots of people don't know about it because it, actually it's it's something that it's healthy not to know about. But Davos is um, the annual summit in the Swiss Alpine uh, town of Davos in the Alps, uh, and it's. This year, it's uh, between January the 15th and 19th, so next week. And about 3,000 people of various levels of seniority, from the corporate, 
governmental, NGO, uh, supranational organization worlds, and a, a huge cohort of um, salivating client, client journalists descend upon Davos. And why is this a bad thing? Um, well, it's a bad thing for several reasons because it's there's a sort of uh massive self-aggrandizing culture you know i called it in the um in the column institutionalized humble brag and <laughs> what what they do at davos is they this year's theme is rebuilding trust and i note that in 2003 it was building trust so i'm not quite sure what the difference is and there's a sort of bland word salad that the uh that the organizers use in their annual slogan and it always involves words like leadership cooperation sustaining responsibility tough choices shared norms stakeholding i mean it's just banal vacuous language um and and the the, the point of it is to suggest urgency of action in the most vapid possible slogans you can come up with um now why does this matter it matters because the whole outfit is really a massive pay-to-play exercise where corporates pay six hundred thousand dollars a year and individuals pay anything from twenty eight thousand dollars and more they arrive there in their private jets they hold forth sanctimoniously about uh, sustainability and climate change and then they head off um, and the, there's something about it that is I think particularly now I mean we talked last week in the podcast about the dangers of 2024 prime amongst which is the possibility of Trump's re-election and what Davos does is it is it it's an annual celebration of the global economic and and financial journalistic and ngo and uh international organization corporate uh complacency in the face of terrible terrible things what do they believe well what they believe is they're not to blame okay so their their sort of binding principle i call it karaoke morality right is yeah, that brilliant phrase they, rather than governments or regulators, are better at deciding how money is distributed and controlled. Philanthropy is better than taxation. I mean, when, the minute you think about that, it's absurd. Um, uh, Organised labour is terrible. And anyone who disagrees with them is a crazed Luddite. And so you have that sort of underpinning series of principles. But you also have this astonishing self-congratulation. So my favourite one was in 2021 when the uh, summit was held online. Mark Benioff, who's the uh, billionaire co-founder of the software giant Salesforce, said in the pandemic, as a quote, it was the CEOs in many, many cases all over the world who were the heroes. It's unbelievable. I mean, given how many health workers had died, how many people who weren't health workers had died. The idea that it was chief executives who were the real heroes, not to mention the fact that uh, in, the, in that past year, the wealth of billionaires worldwide had risen by, wait for it, $3.9 trillion, while more than 500 million had gone into poverty. So you have that. 
then you think, well, okay, how have they responded to the most you know, pressing problem of our time, populism? And the answer is they haven't responded at all. They say, uh, oh, we're very worried about authoritarianism and populism and the forces that give rise to it. But I was looking at the guest list for 2024 next week. And there on uh, the list is the Chinese second in command, Li Kuang, and wouldn't you know, Javier Mille, the recently elected far-right populist crazy El Loco president of Argentina. Now, what's he doing there? You know, if, on, if you're serious at Davos about doing something about populism, but they've had Trump, they've had Bolsonaro, they've had Xi Jinping, they've, you know, they are completely open to the very people whom they claim to oppose. And the key is, and this is what I find sickening about the whole thing, you only have to hear people who are going there talk about why they're going there. They claim they're going there because they want to improve the state of the world. But what they're really going there to do is reassure one another that whatever happens, however bad it gets, they'll be OK. This is at the core of it. And what I find sickening, and, and we fall through it all the time, the whole, the whole global economy is built on, on this premise, is that they go there and present themselves as radicals and revolutionaries and they're not the only thing they're interested in is the present preservation of the status quo because they're in the room and the worst thing that can happen to them is one year they're not in the room anymore but the the whole foundation the the, the charade they play is that they go to these things and they're going to talk about recreating a better world they're not all they're doing is reaffirming the same uh, broken structures that are driving the world further and further into trouble. And I was listening to a brilliant podcast. I, I, I think I might have mentioned it in the past. It's called Philosophize This. It's a brilliant podcast oh, by yeah, a guy yeah. called Stephen Excellent West. Podcast, yeah. And this week's he's talking about anarchy theory. But he mentions a philosopher. I can't remember the guy's name. But it was, it was, honestly, it was one of those moments where you sort of think, this is it absolutely right where everything is just about the preservation of our 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 addiction to consumption you know and everything yeah so and he makes the example of um so say you've got a a, a car factory that's making cars with internal combustion engines and suddenly the management decide it's going to make solar panels in that factory now and the the point is it's not about um their motivation is not about saving the planet. Their motivation is just about keeping on exploiting loads of people, keeping on cons consumption levels high, keep on with the, the same status quo that we've been stuck with. And, and what Stephen West says is what nobody does is address the problems that are the underlying problems, like our relationship with the planet, our relationship with ourselves, the fact that our communities have got so big that the, that the granular um, to be a person, to be a man or a woman in a community of these scale of this scale is, is, is meaningless because this, the, we've lost touch with everything. So I just think, you know, this, when these people meet in this little Swiss village, um, the irony is, is that that is one community that is in touch with itself, but their their aim is to defeat every other community by by just maintaining yes. the status quo in, in which they are at the top of the heap. And they are committed to doing um, the bare minimum performatively 
to keep things at bay. Now, I, I, I suspect that the it was Samuel P. Huntington who, uh, in 2004, first coined the phrase Davos man or popularised it. And I think that uh, the age of Davos man may be slowly drawing to a close uh, because it's simply, it, I mean, it, it looks increasingly ridiculous. But they won't give up without a fight. And what's fascinating is how... Uh, outraged they are and how peaked they are at criticisms I mean it really tells you a lot about them they've enjoyed a culture of impunity for so long and it goes back to what we were talking about in the first half about Fujitsu in the post office scandal you know these big corporations are not used to being held to account partly because they haven't been you know they have they really haven't what happened after this goes back a long way what happened after the end of the Cold War was that there was a silent agreement between governments and corporations that they were going to rule the world in coalition. And this was not written down anywhere, but that was the deal, that um, both parties of the centre-right and of the centre-left were going to cooperate to the max with huge multinational corporations to build some sort of new world order. Well, you know, here we are. Uh, the world is burning and it, it hasn't worked. And yet what what you'll see next week, even though Melee is there, even though Lee Kuang is there, you'll, you'll hear a great deal about how businesses are, you know, painting murals in Malawi and recycling plastic and doing lots of nice diversity schemes, which are excellent in and of themselves. And their line really is, will this do? Mm. And, and and the answer has to be no. And that's why in the column I said the best thing that Davos could do is abolish itself because it, it actually, it does have a pernicious effect because it has this sort of bogus glamour. You know, I think Klaus Schwab, who founded it in 1971, was very shrewd in choosing a remote alpine Resort because if this was held in New York or London or DC or Shanghai or any of these places, yeah. it would have it would have less um, glamour. You know, there's a, there's a sort of yeah. spurious glamour about going to a, a ski resort. Well, well, people would be able to get to them as well. You know, you'd have tens of thousands of people throw, throwing absolutely. stuff at the, at the limousines and the private jets. I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, it's it's a lot harder to occupy Davos than it is to yeah. occupy Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot harder to get up there um but the very remoteness of it you know and and i was hearing this week about people heading off already on private jets to to davos and yeah. you think what's you know what's going through your head look at the world you know we, we we are in genuine danger of trump becoming president again we've seen italians using the fascist salute in recent days We've yeah. got Mille in Argentina who's going to Davos mysteriously. You know, we've got Auburn, uh, you know, back and, mm. and, and, in, and, and, and in strong, stronger than ever. We've got Marine Le Pen making gains in France. You yeah. know, everywhere, we, the AFD in Germany, everywhere we look, the direction of travel towards populist right-wingery, not everywhere. I mean, Poland is good and mm. hopefully we'll get a centre-left government in this country this year. But the direction of global travel is towards more populism, more nativism, more nationalism. And there are very complex reasons for this. 
but these guys who are going to congregate in davos have a lot to answer for because yeah. they are structurally complacent yeah. and they need to be called out because again they 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 have this spurious glamour that and and you know that bono and will i am and people like that turn up matt damon and and kind of schmooze and it's all it's all incredibly cozy it's it's the world's warmest echo chamber it's the world's second warmest echo chamber the, the warmest echo chamber i like to think is the two mats podcast and thank you well that's it yeah but that but we are we are porous we are you know we we are we are accountable to yeah. a maximum extent yeah, yeah and also not for nothing but you know every podcast does have a measure of accountability because yeah. it has listeners you know yeah. how is davos accountable it isn't abolish it on that note Car- davos delenda est yes just just for clarity <laughs> folks we're saying abolish davos not the two mats podcast we very much enjoy no 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 we shall out we shall outlive davos Perhaps That's Davos will do a podcast saying abolish the two mats. Klaus Schwab, you know how to f- you know how to get in touch. <laughs> well, listen, that's all Come for on. this week. Thank you so much for listening. Our, our listener numbers have gone up and up in the last few weeks, so we're really grateful for yes, all you. of those new listeners. Thank I hope you you're enjoying much. the show. Please uh, email in any questions for our regular Sunday uh, Sunday morning. Q&A show that we do and also any feedback anything you like or you don't like we had loads of feedback about our suggestion from last week's Q&A that overseas votes for expats don't matter and we had a lot of expats rather miffed writing in and saying well they do so anyway listen we heard you and we listened to all those emails thank you for sending them in please send in any more to uh, two mats that's the number two m-a-t-t-s at tnepublishing.com. That's two mats at tnepublishing.com. Thank you as ever to our great production team this week, led by Emma at Rethink Audio. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Emma. And until next week, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>